your Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, and the Odyssey app. Doing so doesn't cost you a single penny and ensures you never miss another episode. You can also catch up on any previous episodes you might have missed. In addition to Locked On Winnipeg Jets, I highly recommend checking out the rest of the Locked On NHL Network. You need more hockey news and Locked On NHL is here to fill the gap. It's our daily podcast on everything happening in the leagues. Subscribe and listen each day for a quick look at the biggest stories and game recaps every day. Subscribe to Locked On NHL wherever you get your favorite podcasts. On tonight's show, it is a fairly momentous evening as we are basically awaiting round number two. We now know who the Jets will be playing, and that is the Montreal Canadiens. For a variety of reasons, this series has quite a few storylines now surrounding it. It's the matchup that no one really expected, but somehow, you know, if you were a very cynical hockey fan, maybe you thought it was possible all along and you believed in it. But let's be honest, no one expected Montreal and Winnipeg to be sitting here ready for round number two with Toronto and Edmonton now eliminated. Before we talk about this series and the myriad of interesting narratives around it, I do want to tell you a little bit about a really interesting story for the Jets in terms of the Vezina finalists, and notably the fact that Connor Hellebuck did not make the final cut. For a lot of reasons, this is particularly shocking, but I think the biggest one is that the guy who replaced him is Philip Grubauer. The other two finalists are Andre Vasilevsky and Marc-Andre Fleury, both of whom deserve to be there. Grubauer, though, basically got in because he has a lot of wins and he has a really high save percentage, which, playing behind the Colorado Avalanche, you would kind of expect. Grubauer doesn't really have to do anywhere near as much work as Connor Hellebuck does. People are going to look at Hellebuck's 916 save percentage, the, the goal saved above average, and some really kind of meaningless stats when it comes to goaltending and assess him based on that. What they're not going to see is that Hellebuck actually saved a crap load of goals above expectation, especially relative to the quality and volume of chances Winnipeg's defense surrenders. I mean, let's be honest, Hellebuck won the Vezina last year behind a blue line that probably would not have cut it at the AHL level. That defensive core really didn't improve this season. It's basically the same as what we had last year, barring a few changes here and there, but Hellebuck's workload certainly did not get all that much easier, if any easier at all. Other than, like, maybe Lucas Abisa and Bolu going out, you know, it's not really that much of a change. Somehow, though, Hellebuck ended up getting left off the list of finalists, and I don't think he actually got that many nods for Vezina, period, which, in my mind, is just kind of funny. At this point, you sort of take all of these, um, all of these, like, voting awards with a bit of a grain of salt. But it is actually super ironic that he performs basically to the level that he did last year. The only difference is that... He had a lower save percentage and fewer wins, despite really saving as many goals above expectation as he did last year, putting up another superhuman performance. Obviously, it wasn't quite as good as it was last year because in last season, he basically carried the Jets single-handedly, and this year, he didn't quite have that same level of um, franchise-altering performance, but it was darn near close, and I think that's, in my mind, good enough. Certainly above Grubauer, who didn't really have to do all that much work, relatively speaking, even compared to, like, Yusa Saros. Grubauer's workload was comparatively lighter, so I'm surprised that Grubauer actually made it, but given the um, the standards that the voters often use, 
It's actually not that surprising, I guess. It is kind of frustrating, though, to see Hellebuck once again snubbed in a vote that probably, you know, he had a really good shot at actually winning the Vesna in. I don't think he would have, though. I think Vasilevsky probably takes it, but he'd have at least more than one or two nods. So, you know, Hellebuck, I'm sure he's just going to use that for fuel in this upcoming playoff series against Montreal. I have a feeling that the Canadians are about to get the full Hellebuck experience. I only hope that it's actually not the true full Hellebuck experience, because if he manages not to misplay the puck behind the net, that'd be really great. As for who actually deserves to win the Vezina, I think it's a pretty nice vote between Vasilevsky and, um, of course, Fleury. I don't really know if I have a particular preference. I think there's a pretty fair argument for either. I guess the question is, who do you think was more integral to the success of their team? And I don't really know if there's a clear answer for that. I think Vasilevsky technically had the better results which, you know, would probably give him the edge, but certainly I could see the voters for some reason choosing Fleury too. Uh, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury was also a monster, had some really incredible stretches this season. In terms of, like, sheer workload and performance relative to the volume, I do think Hellebuck is actually the most deserving candidate, but I think in terms of, like, mind-blowing goaltending performances, maybe, you know, Andre Vasilevsky and Marc-Andre Fleury get the nod a little bit more this year. I don't think that's really anything to say bad about Hellebuck's performance. I think, you know, you can kind of forgive your Vesna winner for not exactly winning it twice in a row. He's got a chance to flip that script, though, coming into this postseason series against the Montreal Canadiens, in which the opposing team, the Canadiens, have a very good goaltender in Carey Price. Now, I'm not like a big Carey Price fan. Historically, his results have been pretty mediocre, sometimes even just bad. But every so often, he goes on like these insane heaters where he has like a really vintage series, back to when he was much younger and actually still capable of making some really jaw-dropping saves. Against the Maple Leafs, Price was definitely very good. I don't think he was like the sole reason the Habs actually won that series, but, you know, Price did more than his fair share. I felt like he had a very strong performance, not quite on the level of Hillebuck versus Edmonton, but certainly enough to suggest that, in fact, Hellebuck has a genuinely worthy challenger sitting across from him in net. This will likely be a fairly tight series, and in fact, in just a little bit, we'll break down some of the categories in which the Jets have a clear advantage, and maybe some areas where the Habs have an opportunity to surprise the Jets and perhaps pull off the upset. Later in the week, I do hope to hear from Locked on Montreal Canadiens and get their side of things, especially if we've already had a game or two between this episode and whenever we do our crossover show, so keep an eye out for that later this week. Hopefully you'll get some super cool insights from our wonderful Locked On Canadians co-hosts. But before we break down this series from a Winnipeg fan perspective, I did want to tell you about why Wealthfront can help you with your investing future. Stonks, memes, rocket ships, day trading, making sense of all these things can be really complicated. If you want to make sense of it all and truly understand how to grow your long-term wealth, you should open up a Wealthfront investment account today. Investing can be complicated, but whether you're a beginner or you've been investing for years, Wealthfront makes it easy. They have the right tools for every portfolio. Wealthfront can create a portfolio of globally diversified, low-cost index funds personalized just for you in minutes. There's no manual trading, no picking stocks, no anxiously watching the stock market every day. They automatically handle all the investing based on preferences you can control. Wealthfront is trusted with over $20 billion of assets, and you can get your first $5,000 managed for free by going to Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnNHL. All you need is $500 to get started. Grow your wealth the easy way and let Wealthfront do the work for you. To get your first $5,000 managed for free for life, go to Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnNHL. That's W-E-A-L-T-H-F-R-O-N-T dot com slash LockedOnNHL to start growing your savings. Go to Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnNHL and get started today. When it comes to buying auto parts, a lot of us probably aren't super experienced. 
Whether you're a DIY mechanic, somebody who's never really done it before, or actually somebody who's pretty handy and experienced around vehicles, buying replacement auto parts is always a pain no matter what. Even if you know what you're looking for, you might actually be overpaying. If you want to stop wasting time and money, go to rockauto.com right now. RockAuto.com is a family-run business with over 20 years of experience in the automotive industry. Their easy-to-use, intuitive website allows you to sort by make, year, and model of your vehicle, as well as setting a price range filter so you always get the parts that you need at the prices you want. Whether you need a new engine control module or a floor mat replacement, RockAuto.com's diverse catalog is sure to have what you need in stock. And best of all, you could save anywhere from 20, 30, even 50% off retail brick-and-mortar in-store pricing, so why shop anywhere else? RockAuto.com never charges a membership fee, and all customers pay the same prices no matter their level of experience. When you place your order, be sure to write Lockdown in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit RockAuto.com and tell them Lockdown sent you. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are starting to look ahead to Montreal versus Winnipeg, which is a very interesting playoff series. It's the number three versus the number four seeds in the Northern Division. Before talking about this specific series, I really thought it would be interesting at least to talk a couple of minutes about what exactly transpired between Montreal and Toronto. I think there are some very good lessons for the Jets to take away here, and the first is that Winnipeg is in fact the favorite in this series. Against Toronto, Montreal I didn't think was particularly great. It's not like, you know, Montreal was super bad, but I think defensively, and especially with how the the defensive pairings and some of the lines were rolled out, and how the time on ice splits were handled... Montreal kind of ran some of their guys into the ground. You know, there was one game, I think, that went to either uh, single or double overtime, and Montreal ended up winning, but like Shea Weber and Ben Sherrod and some of these other guys, Jeff Petrie, a lot of the older veterans, they all played like 40 minutes, and then you saw Gustafson and Kulak basically playing like six minutes, which, yeah, that really can't happen. Like, I get that you don't really trust Gustafson and Kulak at, at various points, especially in high leverage situations. But let's be honest, Montreal's defense is fairly old. You know, unless you really think Weber, Sherratt, Petrie, and Edmondson can handle like 40 minutes and I didn't actually get it done, I don't really think that that's a particularly healthy way to go about it. Most of those guys are either in their late 20s or, in Weber's case, you know, definitely well into his 30s. So you don't really want to be logging a lot of miles in a big series against a team like Toronto. Toronto's very good on the counter, they're a fast squad and they've got some really insane puck movement that allows them to get behind defenders pretty easily. Against the Montreal Canadiens, I felt like Toronto wasn't really finding as much space, and that's partly because Toronto had to deal with Montreal countering on every single rush opportunity, and that's something that I think Toronto wasn't really comfortable with. So, you know, the Leafs felt like they were holding back a bit, and then when they could use like a dose of puck fortune, they just really couldn't buy any. The shooting percentages were definitely regressed, Carey Price was stopping a lot, and unfortunately for the Leafs, they managed to sort of implode as the series wore on to the point where Montreal had a legitimate shot at advancing and ended up taking advantage. When you look at how Montreal scored, for the most part, it sort of felt like Jack Campbell was maybe not quite as sharp as he has been in the regular season, and there were some opportunities that were also super greasy and just for Montreal grinding in front of the net. This is probably how the Habs are going to have to score against Telebuck. They're not going to find many clean shooting outlets because, let's be honest, Montreal doesn't really have high-end goal scorers, and they also don't have, like, a really potent offense, especially not under Ducharme. If this was Claude Julien, I'd maybe feel a little bit differently about the Habs. Under Julien, they were consistently dangerous and always trying to find really pesky shooting lanes, passing lanes, lots of really fun puck movement, good cycles... Some of the stuff that makes it fundamentally easier to live with the lack of really high-end goal-scoring talent. 
this Habs team doesn't quite do that as much. Even though they do have some really talented scorers like Tyler Toffoli and, and Jesperi Kotkaniemi, they don't really have like a lot of marquee names. Cole Caulfield definitely helps a lot, um, and he does supplement some pretty good talent that you don't often find on other teams. But by the same token, once you get past some of those names, you know, Montreal's depth forwards and stuff are a little bit on the okay side. You know, Yoel Armia, certainly productive. Arturi Lekkinen, a good playmaker, but... In terms of, like, high-end goal scoring, they just don't really have that. A lot of their offense, especially down low in front of the net, has been coming from guys like Corey Perry and uh, Eric Stahl. So, I don't know if that's, like, super sustainable against the Jets. I think Winnipeg has a couple of little quirks and tweaks that are gonna not exactly be the same thing as what they faced against Toronto. Where I do think Montreal is definitely going to struggle is when they have to deal with like a lot of really defensive situations. If they're pressed inside their own defensive zone, I tend to think that their defenders really struggle with man assignments and certainly marking lanes and stuff. They often overlap and, and get confused really easily. And there's just not a lot of foot speed on their back end. So if you pressure like Sherrod and Petrie and some of these other guys into making mistakes, there's a pretty good opportunity for you to force a turnover and get a really nice goal out in front. That's something that the Oilers unfortunately fell victim to when the Jets were pressuring them aggressively, and it's something that I think the Jets could actually exploit against Montreal, too. All of this may sound very positive for the Jets, but by the same token, I think, you know, Carey Price is something Winnipeg is going to have to keep an eye on. I do think that Price isn't nearly as good as his record looks in terms of, like, playoff performance against the Leafs. He was pretty good overall, and I think the numbers bear out a very strong performance, but then you also notice some of his technique where he was a little bit scrambly in the crease, and I felt like maybe some more puck movement and stuff might actually get him off his line. And the Jets have some really high-end finishers. Maybe not quite as many as someone like Toronto, but certainly the sorts of guys that, against a tired Habs team, they could take advantage of pretty easily. Winnipeg's power play is also nigh unstoppable, you know, especially when the second unit comes on. The first unit, I think the Jets... You know, that first unit is pretty decent. Sometimes it maybe overthinks some of the shooting and passing lanes, but that unit, I think, actually does a lot to tire out PK units because they're constantly trying to mark out Wheeler and Shifley and some of the other guys, and it sets up some nice cleaning opportunities when the second unit comes on. So maybe the first unit isn't as useless as it looks, but against a Habs PK that is pretty leaky, I think the Jets stand a pretty good chance. Now, there are some reasons why Jets fans should maybe be leery, and we'll talk about those in just a minute. But before then, I thought you should hear about why BetOnline.ag needs to be the only place you do your online betting. When it comes to the wild, wild west of online betting, you need to know that there's a safe, reliable name that you can trust every single time. That's why you should look no further than BetOnline.ag. They're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Baseball and hockey season are in full swing, and you can track all the action online at BetOnline. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including the MLB, NBA, NHL, UFC, MMA, international soccer, and so many other fabulous sports, all at BetOnline. Before the next pitch or face-off, head on over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up for bonuses, and enter all the contests your heart desires. Stop sitting on the sidelines and join your favorite teams as they begin their playoff quests for glory. To get started, register for a free account at BetOnline.ag. And when you do, be sure to use promo code Locked On to receive a matched 50% welcome bonus when you make your very first deposit. Again, that is promo code Locked On at registration for a free 50% welcome bonus when you make your very first deposit at BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are talking about some of the uh, the highlights and the lowlights of this upcoming series between Montreal and Winnipeg. Maybe some reasons to be optimistic, and maybe some reasons to be cautious. And I think we've thought about some of the reasons why the Jets actually have a pretty fair matchup, and maybe a pretty good chance of advancing on a round number two. 
but it's unfortunately not all sunshine and roses. There are a couple of things that I think the Jets are going to have to work on, especially against a very pesky, fast-countering team that frankly gave Toronto a lot of fits. This Habs team is going to be pretty tired, and I don't think it's nearly as talented as maybe that seven-game series would have some folks believing. But they are industrious and energetic, and that does occasionally count for something when you're facing a team that maybe isn't expecting to be as physically tenacious as their opponents. Montreal is the kind of squad that loves grinding in the corners and trying to create off of like chaotic turnovers and some you know low-slot chaos, especially against a team that's not defensively sound. With the Jets' blue line, that could be an issue. Just like Montreal's defenders tend to turn over the puck and make really bad zone exits and passes, especially inside their own end, the Jets kind of do a lot of the same things, and if Montreal gets aggressive and starts trying to jump those passing lanes, as they've seen against other teams where the Jets have kind of turned it over very lazily, they might actually be looking for those passes and stuff again and trying to preempt them. You really don't want to make Connor Hellebuck's life any harder than it already is by doing some really dumb stuff, which the Jets occasionally have done in equal abundance. You know, it's not something like Winnipeg is only occasionally making bad passes or clearances along the wall that get picked off. This is like a very routine exercise with this team. They definitely don't want to be turning over the puck because despite having a 6-3 and season record against Montreal, I don't think it's a good idea to get reckless. I know the Habs are going to be tired and maybe not quite as aggressive, especially early in the series, but you just don't want to give them any sorts of easy ins, and I think that that's, for me, the biggest storyline. You know, Montreal is going to be very tired, Winnipeg's rested, Montreal just got put through the ringer, and Winnipeg hasn't had as much NHL action as of late. They've had like a week or so off, and now they're going to be coming fully rested into a homestand to start the series against a somewhat battered, very gritty Montreal team. Now, Hellebuck, if he is fully rested, is probably going to be one of the biggest reasons the Jets have a sizable advantage. Hellebuck he is just amazing this year. Against the Oilers, he was lights out. That said, you know, Carey Price, in his own respect, wasn't shabby at all. I thought he was very good against uh, Toronto, and I feel like if the Jets can't find ways to create, especially at even strength, it's going to be an issue trying to solve Price. Winnipeg occasionally was a little stagnant, especially at even strength against the Oilers. They weren't maybe getting to the slot as much as I'd like, or if they were, they weren't really taking really good shots. A lot of stuff ended up going into Mike Smith's pads, and Carey Price has seemingly played very big in net. So that's something that the Jets are going to have to watch out for. I think they need to get Price moving a lot and also look for elevated shot attempts. If they try to shove it into his pads or, or try for like garbage stuff in front of the net, I don't think that's going to work nearly as well. That sort of low-slot chaos thing is more Montreal's game plan. I think Winnipeg needs to be really surgical and precise. I felt like at times they weren't nearly as clinical as they could be. You know, Kyle O'Connor would miss a lot of shooting attempts. Some of the other top-end goal scorers maybe put it wide of the post a few too many times for my liking. And I generally want to see the team be more aggressive as a whole. I felt like against Edmonton they occasionally played really scared. There were times when the Jets were super aggressive and swarming the, uh, the Oilers. They need to do that against the Habs, too, because, like, Montreal is a team that has more offensive depth than the Oilers do, but certainly not anywhere near the level of, like, high-end star talent. You just really can't mess around with the Habs, though. They're the kind of squad that's going to score a couple of really greasy goals if you're not careful, and they're often going to find themselves on the retreating end of trying to shut down and, and lock down these games, and maybe Winnipeg could actually come back if they fall behind, but with how well Price was playing in the last round, I'm just not really wanting to bank on that, so the Jets need to be aggressive early, grab the early lead, and put all the pressure on Montreal to perform. For a series prediction, I'm going to be modest here and say the Jets in six. I think Montreal could probably scrap out a couple of wins. It's going to be a very ugly series, I think. Might maybe one of those where, like, space is going to be at a huge premium. Or if there actually is a lot of space, Carey Price and Hellebuck are going to make up for the difference. 
If the Jets somehow surprise us again, though, and actually do it in even fewer games, all the better. You know, the more the rest of the, the Jets can be against a team like Colorado or Vegas, the better off everyone else will be. Either of those teams awaiting the Jets at the end of the rainbow doesn't really feel like much of a reward, but hey, it's the NHL, you gotta beat the best to be the best, or at least fake it long enough to win the cup. So, maybe the Jets can actually do both in the process? We'll see soon enough. For tonight's episode, though, that is going to do it for our preview coverage. We will have some thoughts from tomorrow night's first game, certainly, as it's happening, and maybe even some thoughts before then. Before you log off, though, don't forget to check out the Locked On Today podcast. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Burkowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app, wherever you get your favorite media. And as always, thanks for listening, have a great night, and go Jets go!